You're listening to a message from the church at Rutledge. For more information about TCAR, please visit thechurchatrutledge.org. Is this thing on? Yeah, there we go. All right. A couple quick announcements before we get into uh, the teaching today. Uh, our summer service is in full swing. Thank you to those who painted at the Habitat for Humanity this past week, yesterday. Uh, that went really well. And so coming up July 21st, we'll be going over to Cherokee Dam over on 92 and doing some outreach there. Um, there's a sign-up sheet back there for summer service projects. Liz Grisham is uh, in charge of the outreach that we're going to do there, and so she would like to meet with everyone who's interested in that after church next Sunday, okay? So if you sign up on there, please come hang out in here after church next Sunday. There is organization and um, goals and everything that we're gonna, that, that's going to happen there, so it's not just some random thing we're going to go out there and do and and just kind of fly by the seat of our pants. It's She has a plan, so she wants to share that plan with you and what we're going to do that day. Also that day, the Washburn Clothes Closet will be working there. Both of these are 10 to 2, July 21st. So we'll be going over and sorting clothes and stuff. You can go do either project, but sign up back there for those uh, to work at that clothes closet. I believe that's at Washburn Baptist Church. We'll be going there to help them with their clothes closet. Um, and so then the Tomato Festival is a big weekend for us. If you can help out with food for EMS, fire, police officers, everything, they set up their own deal down there to manage the Tomato Festival. So we help take care of them with food through the chaplain program. And so if you can uh, assist in making food, there's a list back there. There's also, we will be doing our Sunday morning service there. We'll be at 930 at the Tomato Festival on the 29th. So if you come here at 1045, you'll think we've closed and, and we're no longer in existence because you'll be like, why are they not here? And we'll have somebody here to point you down that way and say, you're really late, head that way. Um, maybe you can get a hot dog or something and praise Jesus for the hot dog or something, you know. But we'll be having our service down there at 930. There'll be child care there for up through uh, preschool age but everybody else will be in the service. And that's kind of an anniversary thing for us. Our first public service was at the Tomato Festival 16 years ago. And so this is kind of an anniversary thing to that uh, 16 years ago. And they offered us to be able to do the service there. Um, so there'll be that. And then that evening, we've been asked by the Granger Baptist Association to man their tent from 4 to 5 o'clock and then take down the tent and take it back to the association building. So... I've already got one volunteer guy this morning uh, that said would help with that. So um, if you can help with that, just text me. Let me know. We might have a sign-up sheet for that as, as well. But that's the tomato festival. We've got a lot going on, okay? And so if you can help out in any way, that would be wonderful, okay? Well, thank you for being here this morning and enduring the, the announcements. That time doesn't count for my sermon time, by the way. Just want to make that clear right up front, because some of you are like, dude, you're already five minutes into it. No, I don't count that. But anyway, it's good to see you guys here this morning, as well as some new faces and some old friends and that kind of stuff. So glad you're here this morning. Um, 
that last week was the start of something very important to who we are as a church, and so it's important to what's happening here at TCAR and at the, really at the heart of who we are uh, as a church. We started small groups way before we started a service, like six months uh, of small groups before starting our first service, and so it, it is a huge part of who we are because as we look at Scripture in the book of Acts especially, it talks about how they gathered in the temple courts, large gatherings like this, and then uh, from house to house, those small group gatherings. And so we like to focus on that. We have two seasons every year, one that goes like January through about May, and then we take a break in the summer and do a lot of service projects, and then we crank back up in August and go through uh, about mid-November. And so that season is getting ready to come upon us here soon. But I've been talking about this since the beginning of the year, this, this really focusing on this, really the turn of the year when I did the uh, online message for New Year's. But back then even, I've been asking you to dream God-sized dreams and to get our minds off of the small things and even just begin to dream those big God-sized dreams of what could be if we fully engaged into biblical community as a church body, and then took that platform that God has given us to serve and reach the community we live in and the communities around us and even around the world. And I challenge you last week to see it, to see the wonderful opportunity that we have that God has set before us. And several people responded last week, and I've been talking to a couple of folks even from the beginning of the year when we talked about this um, back then. And so that potential of, and it looks like we're moving in that direction, steps are happening to where there'd be a new small group in Mooresburg, there'd be a new small group potentially either Thornhill or into Hancock County, may just go over into Thornhill right now. So those things are in the work. There's a lot of new uh, small groups and ideas and people willing to do those things happening. So I'm excited about how God is moving people in that direction and uh, responses that fulfill fill the vision God has given us here at, at TCAR. So um, let me pray for us, and then uh, we'll get on into the message this morning. God, I just want to stop and thank you for who you are, for how you're working in people's lives, for how you have provided for us and, and just taken care of us for so long. And so uh, we just say thank you this morning. I'm excited about where we're going. I ask you open hearts and minds this morning to your word, especially that your Holy Spirit would do what I can't and would speak to people and, and just go and just do the supernatural, that people would be open to that, that they would be um, sensitive to how you're leading them. And so may we just hear from you this morning. Thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. One of my favorite quotes that I've locked on to, I guess, for the past um, two or three years is from a, a French poet a uh, writer born in the 1900, actually in 1900 in France, um, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry is his name. But he said this, it's posted on my door over at my office because I just love the whole concept and the thought process behind it. But he said, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up people to collect wood and don't assign them tasks and work, but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. Okay, you see the difference? In other words, if there's some dream, some greater purpose, some, uh, 
some great thing to be done than something greater than yourself that you long to see achieved and you want that to happen, you will get past. If, if you can just lock yourself onto the dream, then you get past all those menial tasks it takes to get you there to that dream because it's often those things that we get frustrated with and, and have problems with and can't get past, but if we keep our eyes locked onto the dream, you can get there. It won't be a labor, but rather a passion for that dream. And I believe for you, as part of this church, if you fully engage, for this church, there's a dream God has given us. It's, it's how we got started, and I believe He has a dream for you that fits into His story. And I believe he has collectively put us together as the body of Christ to do something bigger than all of us, bigger than us individually, a God-sized dream. And so it's a simple plan. It's not that complicated. I've already kind of hit on it. And we find it in Scripture for the church, this community of believers that comes together, one, to be the body of Christ, to do what we're supposed to do as believers, but two, to impact the community that it's in and with community that it has, okay? Um, the guy that first mentored me, I go back to this a lot, but it, it, it's something that's just kind of ingrained in me, um, but not as a youth pastor, but as a pastor, the guy that really hit me with this, um, and anybody that's been here for a, a while has heard me say this, and sometimes people go, oh, here we go again kind of thing, but there's certain things just that have stirred my heart spiritually, and, it, and it's never let go of me. And so this, it's where I got it is from that guy who mentored me. His name was Rocky, and I remember hearing it the first time, and I, I couldn't wait. Once I heard it, I was like, I can't wait to collect the wood and assign the tasks and get, and get started on that dream. And it was just because I longed for the dream, but kind of my version of what he said goes like this, before you were ever conceived in, in the mind of your mom and dad, before you were ever thought of, you were a dream in the mind of God. God dreamed of the things you would do. He dreamed of who you would be. And so he created you to fulfill that dream that he had. And so you have a choice. You can fulfill that dream that God has for you, or you can live for your own dream, which is something that will be less than or beneath the dream that God has for you. It will not be as grand as what he has dreamed for you. And so you have that choice. And to fulfill that dream is to, be, to absolutely become who you were made to be. You know, people are always like, I need to go find myself and just figure out who, who I am. Well, God created you to be a certain person. So when you get into the word and you start to live by what he has created you to do, you're, you're being who you really are. And so that dream includes all the things that God has in your life to make you like Jesus. All the trials and triumphs of life, the pains, the blessings, it includes all the commands and instructions we see in Scripture. It's who you're made to be. And in Scripture, we find the main deal of that dream is not what we all seem to get off track on and pursue on this earth. We dream of security and, and, and even security from not needing even God, if I could just have enough for myself and provide for myself and 
situate myself enough and have enough insurance and all those things, then, then I'll be okay and I don't really need anybody. We dream of wealth and pleasure and no needs or wants, but God's goal in our lives is that we would find pleasure in Him and that we would see our need for Him and we would want ultimately Him over everything else. But we live beneath that dream because we live pursuing everything else. And why do we do that? And our dreams are so small, and it's because we're more interested in what we talked about last week, longevity, than we are in a legacy that impacts generations to come for the glory of Christ. And so, and I've seen, and maybe you have too, given some of the things I do, and I get called out to the fires, the deaths, and all kinds of scenarios of the worst moments in our community. And what it reminds me of, and what that reminds us when we see those things, is that it doesn't matter what your house looks like. It doesn't matter what, your, what kind of car you drive, what your bank account is. One day, all of that is gone. It's all gone one day. And maybe long after you're gone, you do everything you can to preserve what you have and who you are and preserve your own life. But one day, it's gone, okay? It will not endure time. You can't beat it, okay? But there's one thing that will last, and that it's not all this stuff that we pursue. It's people themselves. Okay, physically one day this will all be gone. But there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. It's, it's people that matter. That's what goes on beyond all this. People will last forever. It's what laying up treasures in heaven is all about. It's about people. And that's the ultimate dream God has is, is a people for himself. That people would be with him forever and be together forever. Those that choose to love him and be with him through Jesus. So God's dream is for you to be in relationship with him and to love him and others and help others be in, in a relationship with him. And to do that, you have to become more like Christ. So he puts us through things that make us more like him. Instead of just seeking all this pleasure and avoiding discomfort, there's things he puts us through so that we will learn to have healthy relationships and how to relate to him in a healthy way and pointing people to him. Ephesians 2.10, one of my favorite scriptures says, for we are God's workmanship, literally his poem or his dream, if you want to go to that, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, okay? And, and so he has this dream for our lives and these things that we would do and this person we would be. And we know that it's through tribulations. Romans 5 tells us that, that we have through the, those tribulations that we have perseverance and hope. And James 1 says that trials and testing, you know, produces, of your faith produces endurance, right? That we may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And so it's through the tough stuff, it's through the hard stuff that we become more like Jesus. Real joy is found in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and in a relationship with other believers, healthy biblical relationships. So here at TCAR, 
let me throw this out at you. It's our, it's our group's mission statement, and it goes like this. We are a church of small groups to help people connect to biblical community as part of the overall mission to make disciples and reach as many as possible. So our strategy goes like this. This is what we're trying to do with this, okay? The small group mission will be accomplished by doing this. We're going to, is by forming small groups of people who meet together for life application Bible study, for intentional discipleship, to build authentic relationships, to care for one another, pray for one another, for service and ministry to others, and to reach out to those around them. So there's, it's, it's forming small groups of people who meet together to do those things intentionally shepherding people toward full devotion to Christ, striving to bring those who don't know Christ into a relationship with him and Christian community, and then multiplication is a big part of this, okay? We want to make, develop leaders and birth new groups, and that's part of all this process that's coming, okay? So here's the deal this morning. I want to take you back to the beginning of the year and just reinforce to you why this is so important. I told you about the dream. We kind of cast that last week. And so the, right now, I want to talk to you about some things we need to get in our hearts and our minds and, and understand, because people often go, oh, that's just the church thing to say, love God and love people. But, but it's, you know, how do we come up with these doctrines and these teachings and things of the church? It, it goes all the way back to Genesis, as we'll see this morning, and into the New Testament it lays out this understanding of why we're supposed to do this, that it's what God says we're supposed to be doing. So we looked at this back in January, and I want us to get a foundation from Scripture of the importance of relationships. It's, it's a core, relationships is one of those things we call a core value at our church, okay? Core values are these things that uh, really get uh, churches all tore up, okay? People in churches don't normally argue over, was Jesus the Son of God, okay? That's not the things they fight over. Um, the things they fight over are things that you call core values, what's important to people, okay? It's what they value. And so for us, relationships, not rules, but relationships, and that can easily be forgotten if we aren't careful, but relationships is one of our core values with God, with each other, in family, our biological family. We talk a lot about application and how those relationships work. But there's a guy named Jimmy Inman, he's a good friend of mine, if you guys have been around, you know who I'm talking about, True Life Church over in Jefferson City. Um, he and I put this material together and taught this at seminary in Honduras. And, and so a lot of this is Jimmy's outline, so kudos to him um, in, in that. And so let's go through this really quickly just to give you a layout of why this is so important to us, okay? And we were created for relationship with God and others. So if relationships are so important to God, if it's, then it's, if it's so important to our lives, then it's essential that we understand them from God's perspective, not just our under, trying to figure it out on our own. The Bible is not primarily a book of principles, okay? We try, often we look at the Bible as though it's like, oh, there's these good lessons in here that, that we can get principles for life from. It's primary, primarily a revelation of who God is and how he sent his son to restore us to him so we could have a relationship with him, okay? It's a book about how to have a relationship with God and others, okay? The Old Testament and New Testament shows us how to relate to God, the one who made us. Therefore, it does not have a lot... It, it, 
therefore, it does have a lot to say about here's some principles for how to do that, but it's not about the principles, okay? But it does give us a lot of things regarding healthy relationships. Jesus himself was, was asked, you could say it this way, he was asked, what's the dream you have for people? That's not literally how it was said. We know it was said, what's the greatest commandment? In other words, what's the biggest thing you want people to do? So in other words, what's the dream you have for their lives? Okay. What's the greatest thing you want people to do? We know it as the great commandment, right? Matthew 22, it's in there, Mark 12 and Luke 10. Okay. It's love God and love others as yourself. That's what he said it was, right? So if you're a Christian... This is the biggest deal in your life, okay? We try to make it into so many other things, but think about how simple that boils it down. I'm to love God, and I'm to love other people as myself, okay? If you're a Christian, that's the biggest deal. We are created to love Him and people. Jesus summarized all the commandments into those two, okay? God is all wise. We need to apply His wisdom to every area of our life, especially to something as important as relationships. Now, this is what you call theology, okay? But theology, to me, isn't good if, it's not, if it isn't practically applicable. So let's understand relationships from God's perspective. Um, this is foundational to the rest of where we're going all the way into the second full week of August is when we'll start small groups. If you start on Wednesdays, which groups don't have to be on Wednesday nights, uh, if yours is on Wednesdays, it would be the 15th is when we're going to start those. Um, but we're open to after church on Sundays and the evenings during the week, whenever, if people want to start groups or want to, want to move those around, it's, it's just doing it. It's not necessarily when it is. Okay. But this is foundational to that that's coming. And so, um, it's kind of relationship theology 101. So we're going to look at Genesis chapters one through four. And you're like, oh my gosh, four chapters. No, we're going to skip through them, and I'm going to point out some key verses through those, okay? The foundation of our relationships is the reality that God is eternally in relationship with his, himself. If you look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, what's he saying there? He says, let us, and all that's important. I don't have time to totally break all that down and what that word is, and it's... it's um, plurality in the singular. It's, 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 a, it's a complicated word, and like I said, don't have time to explain it. But it's let us make man in our, and notice that those things are capitalized in there, because it's talking about God himself, okay? Let us make man in our image. Why would God speak to, about himself, the singular God, in the plural, okay? According to our likeness, it says, Okay? So this is the doctrine of the Trinity. It's where we come from. If anybody that you, you know, there's all kinds of TV preachers and people that, stuff that still goes on in teachings. There's great, I listen to a lot of people on the radio and podcasts and all that stuff. But if they don't teach, if they don't believe in the Trinity, then, then, then I don't, I, it's a hard way to explain how do you explain this, okay? But it, it's, it's the doctrine of the Trinity. We cover this fully in our essential series and our 101 material. It's both of those are online in that sermon series and, and in our class 101 materials. And this, which is our membership class, it's coming up in August as well. We're going to do it at the library over here at the high school during service. So if you're looking to join here or just want to know more about 
um, what we believe and do I even want to be a part of this, that class is great, okay? There'll be some stuff I'll give you to, to look at beforehand, um, but sign up for that class and, and, and I'll get you the information on what you need to look at. But this is one of the practical implications of this doctrine of the Trinity, okay? It is implied here at the beginning of the Bible and then all throughout the whole thing, okay? It's explicit through the New Testament. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons, one God, okay? God wasn't lonely, and He needed us, and He's sitting up there in, in, in heaven, like, just tapping his fingers like, oh my gosh, I need somebody to, so I'm not so lonely or I'm just going to die. No, he made us because he simply wanted us, okay? There's a song we sing, and so they came to me, uh, what a wonderful name it is, what a wonderful name it is. That song, before we ever did that song here, I was approached and I said, I don't, I'm not sure about this lyric, God didn't want heaven without us. I said, well, the key thing is there, it doesn't say God needed us. It's want, okay? God didn't want heaven without us. It doesn't say, you know, that, that without us, heaven couldn't exist or he needed us. It's just he simply wanted us, which is the truth, okay? But he is not incomplete without us, okay? He, is, he dwells in relationship. He is whole and complete in the Trinity. It's an aspect of who he is. It's how God is love because he's dwelling in relationship, okay? Healthy, holy, godly, loving relationship. So we are created for relationships with God and others. It is a God-given need and desire. Why do I believe that? Because if you look at, again, at Genesis one twenty six going through 27, we are made in the image of God so we reflect his relational nature. It's in his nature of who he is. He dwells in relationship. So obviously, if we're made in his image, we're made for that as well, okay? And so you can, you can look at that. God created man in his own image. In the image of, of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them, okay? We have a soul, Genesis 2-7, okay? Which is particularly important. I won't get into all the implications of that. And there's a lot of you that will get mad at me. Linda's staring at me already like, don't say anything about how dogs aren't going to heaven or anything, okay? Um, but I'll just say this. I've got to separate that. Okay, let's take a pause. Okay, that's separate from this statement. But people are, when God made man, he breathed life into them, okay? It doesn't say that about anything else, about plants or anything, okay? Um, so that, that deal about having a soul is important, okay? It, it says that there'll be animals in heaven, so I'm, I'm not saying your dog in particular won't be there. I'm not saying it will be there. I don't know. Linda's will, okay? Okay, let's just all say that, okay, together, okay? But... In, two, in Genesis 2-7, it says, Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. It doesn't speak that way about anything else, okay? So we have a soul. There's, there's this distinct way we're created above everything else, and that's why we're special to him and why we have this relationship with him the way we do, okay? The, the third part of this of why... I, 
I see this God-given need and desire is Adam. It says that Adam was lonely. When you look at Genesis 2.18, okay, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him, right? Okay? Even in the midst of perfect paradise, the garden, without a companion, he said, that's not good for him to be alone. He wanted us to experience life, not just with him, but with each other, okay? He wanted a, you see it all through the scriptures, he wanted a people for himself, not a person for himself, a people for himself, okay? Do you get that? So the so the Lord came down into to the garden to have fellowship with this first couple, okay? He, he wants relationship with him and relationship with us, intimate relationship, okay? So it says in Genesis 3.8, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, cool of the day. So it's saying uh, he, he, wanted, he wanted to interact with us and have relationship, okay? But we know where this goes when you get to Genesis 3, the next chapter, 1 through 14, and the serpent shows up and convinces Eve to eat from the fruit of the tree, um, knowledge of good and evil. And basically, she disobeyed God. She sinned, and so her and Adam both sinned. And there you have this disobedience to God, which then brings death. Sin brought death to them. And so we know that story of Genesis 3, 1 through 14. This is it's the consequence of the fall that our relationship with God is broken and with each other, okay? We live in a broken world. Broken people produce broken relationships, okay? This includes our relationships with God and each other. Broken relationships are a result of the fall and are characterized by guilt, shame, hiding, fear, blaming, excuses, victimization, self-justification, manipulation, passive-aggressive behavior, lying. All those things are a result of that fall in our broken relationships. And we need to realize that these things sabotage our relationships. It's not healthy, okay? And often we recognize it's not healthy. We would go, well, obviously lying is not a good thing or, or... manipulation is not a good thing. And so we recognize it, but because of our sin nature that wars within us from our flesh, it's, we find ourselves doing the very things we don't want to do, okay? Or convincing ourselves that it's okay for us to do. So healthy relationships on the other side are defined by intimacy, openness, authenticity, responsibility, acceptance, peace, wholeness, all these good things, Okay? Genesis 2.25, if you go back before the fall and look at verse 25, and it said, it says in there, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed, okay? That right there, all the guys are in here are like, that's my favorite scripture, okay? And I get that, okay? I get that. You're like, that is awesome, okay? Do a Bible study with my wife, and I'm going to explain that one, okay? That, it's just wonderful, Okay? It's great to be in a healthy relationship like that and to not have guilt and shame and all those issues, okay? Healthy relationships, okay? And that's what they had before the fall, before sin entered the picture, okay? 
So we can find life renewal and restoration through the work of Jesus. That's why that was necessary. This is a whole gospel deal, okay? God makes the broken whole through the plan he had from the foundation of the earth. He knew this was going to happen, and so he makes this plan, okay? He makes the, the broken whole. If you look in Genesis, if you go on down to 3, 20 through 24, he sacrifices the animal and makes a covering for them, which is, remember we talked about the whole Bible is full of just the gospel and the picture of Jesus and what he has done for us, that scarlet thread that runs throughout Scripture. So even back at the beginning, God sacrifices an animal, shed blood for to cover their sin, okay? It's a picture of what's coming with Jesus. And so they were cast out of the garden, preserving them for redemption and for the plan that was set before them from the foundation of the earth. You get into Genesis 4, you know, like verse 1 and 25, it talks about how it replaces Abel with Seth because Cain killed Abel. And so then men, it talks about how then at that point men began to call upon the name of the Lord, and then the descendants through that replacement start coming to where you get the line that comes down to the birth of Jesus, okay? Jesus died to forgive us of our sins and restore us to God. Out of the wholeness that produces, we're then able to relate to each other properly, okay? So we can extend grace as we have been extended grace by God. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of us, and so I can now do things that I couldn't do before, like extend grace to someone freely, forgive others as I have been forgiven, find acceptance and love and encouragement as well as accountability and help to move forward when it's tough, okay? It's that whole thing, this community of believers together and doing that with each other, having healthy relationships where even when I mess up or you mess up or things go wrong, that we are able to, to work through it and extend grace. And it's part of how God uses us together for the, what's called the perseverance of the saints, okay? So that we stay in the faith to the end and don't give up, okay? So through the work of Christ on the cross and our response of faith, we become children of the Father, brothers and sisters in Christ who now share life together and forever, okay? You know, you have all these people that say, um, no offense, Dad, I'll just use this as an example. Dad's here, even though he's going to run off and play golf afterward, okay? It's a good job. He's here this morning. That's good, okay? So here's the thing. There's, I, I run into so many people that I say, hey, I can, you can worship God anywhere. I can, I can do that on the golf course. I don't have to go to church. I don't have to be a part of a, a, a church. To, I lo, I'm a Christian. I love God, and I, I lo, worship and they, they, you might as well just rip half of it out because you're missing that whole being a part of the family with other people. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. You don't become a part of the family and then never go hang out with the family, okay? Yet broken families do that. You know what I'm talking about, okay? But healthy families don't do that, and we're called to be a healthy family that understands the importance of that, okay? Yes, you can go worship God alone on the golf course Maybe not when you slice one into the woods, but, um, you know, when things are going well, maybe you, can, maybe you can do that, okay? But you can do that, but it doesn't excuse us from being... The Bible is full 
of stuff that says we're supposed to be a part of this. Okay? I don't just do this because it's some religion thing that's just always been done. Okay? It's because of this. Okay? There's a, there's a, some people called me to do a wedding, um, and they didn't know me, and they, they were like, we were talking, and they were like, we were told that you could help us out, and that kind of thing, and, and she was so relieved when I, when I said, well, yeah, well, we're affiliated with the, with the Southern Baptist Convention. We're, we're, we're a Tennessee Baptist Convention Associated Church. She was like, oh, God. I was like, but I said, understand, for me, the reason it's the church at Rutledge is because this is the big deal. I, I'm committed to this, not to the Tennessee Baptist Convention or Southern Baptist Convention. That's all good. I love to cooperate. Obviously, I want to work with other churches and, and do those things, but, but that, that doesn't define who I am. This does. And the reason we cooperate with them is because this is the big deal for them too, okay? So, so we follow what this says. So we're brothers and sisters who now live together now and forever together as family. Okay, John 17, you can look at 20 through 26, but here's just a little bit of that. He says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone. This is Jesus um, praying for us, even in the future, for those who would believe, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may be all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also, there's again that Trinity thing, Jesus in him, we're the same, we're one, and I want them to be one, just as you and I are one, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. It goes on. So see, that togetherness makes a difference. If we're separated from each other, it shows the world that maybe this God thing isn't real. When we're together in family and in community with one another, it's evidence to the world that, that Jesus is who he said he is and did what he said he did. So Romans 8, you can look at it. You know, you get in Romans 8, 12 through 17, talks about us being adopted sons and daughters and that we'll suffer with him to be glorified with him, that we're all in this together with Jesus, okay? And I do want to read Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. Um, look at that real quick. This also, when you talk about us being together and um, it, it's, it's about a people. It's about relationships. When we read this, hear this in here, what we're supposed to be a part of, okay? Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, it says, therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, talking about us, okay, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. It's talking about back God's people. He brought out of Israel, the Israelites. They were given that, that opportunity to be his people so that it could be brought to the Gentiles in the future. Okay, now that's, it's saying that's been opened up to us. Okay, even though we're not Jewish, not descendants of Israel, of that people, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, because of what Christ Jesus has done for us, that's open to everyone. You know, you hear people say, 
Well, you say Jesus is the only way. That's so exclusive. No, it's so inclusive, okay? Because it, we're not excluding anybody from that. It, well, that's so narrow-minded. Well, it's pretty open-minded, okay? Okay, you're being narrow-minded to say there can't be one way, but that one way includes everybody, okay? I believe there's an invisible God we can't see who sent His Son to die on the cross for us, a God-man who lived a perfect life, died on the cross, was brought back to life by God, okay, bringing us new life, and now there's this Holy Spirit, this part of God that comes in us and dwells inside of us. I think I have a pretty open mind, okay? I don't think I'm too narrow-minded, okay? It's narrow-minded to say that can't be, right? So this is inclusive, not exclusive, okay? Sorry, got off on a tangent there, but, but now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one, okay? Now it's everybody. It's not, it's not this separation of Jew and Gentile. It's we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that, he, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death in enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. And that's a great, great verse right there to talk about we should do the same for to be like Christ. Just preach to far away and preach to those who are near. For through Him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. Listen to this part right here. This one I'm talking about in community with each other, that we're to be a part of this. Listen to what it says fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, okay? And that's what I'm talking about. You meet people that say, I don't have to go to church. I don't have to be a part of. I don't have to go do that. You're never around Christians, so how, do you, how, how does that work with this? God says you, you should be, okay? And, and see, it's about community and about relationships, and, and everybody's like, oh, that's just religion. No, it's, a, it's about following God and being in a relationship with Him and other people. That's what this is all about, okay? Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God and the Spirit. Because now we are the temple in which the Holy Spirit dwells, not a building, it's the people, okay? So you get this clear understanding of it's about the people and relationships and not about buildings and systems and laws and religion, okay? It's about people. So the primary reason for us to talk about this is to lay a foundation for understanding going forward in which the rest of these messages in this series will will build. But you know me, as I opened with, 
it's hard for me to just throw out all this theology and not just give you some practical application to that. So as we've looked at this, I, I just can't help but ask, have you trusted Jesus so that you can have a relationship with God who you were created and designed for? He dreamed this life you would have that's a part of his big story. Are you trusting him with your life? If, if so, then you need to live out and work on that relationship. But if not, you need to take a moment and consider that and turn yourself to Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done for us, he, makes it, he enables us to be able to turn from ourselves and our sin. This is something you guys hear me say all the time, but this is the essential foundation of it, is that we're going along in our lives, doing our own thing, don't want to follow what God says. I'm Lord of my life. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my own thing, not realizing I'm, I'm really trapped to sin and enslaved to that. And so I simply say, now that I see who Jesus is and his plan for my life and what he wants for me, I simply repent or turn from my sin and I turn to Jesus. And now I'm no longer Lord of my life. He's Lord of my life. I'm not going to do things his way. I'm going to look at, to his word and what he says for guidance for my life, not just whatever I think in my own understanding. I, I see the destruction of my sin and what that brings in relationships with God and with others. And so I turn to Jesus to, to make that brokenness whole again. And so if that's you this morning, you just need to do that. It's just to trust Jesus with your life and realize that in his defeating death and even being resurrected from the dead, that that brings the, this not just just forgiveness of sin, but it brings about this capability of you being indwelled by the Holy Spirit and living this new life, a part of what God wants you to live. So if that's you, just, I know in the traditional religious system, it's walk an aisle, pray a prayer and all that stuff. And you can do that. Like I'll be down here after the service and you can come down here and we'll pray, we'll do whatever. But the prayer and all that, that's just that's just a reflection of what's going on in your heart. You, you can do that right where you're sitting. You can just say, God, best I know how. I turn to you right now. I'm surrendering to you. That's what that is. It's grace. It's, a, it's free given to you through grace from Jesus, okay? There's no reason not to accept it, okay? So have you trusted Jesus so that you can have a relationship with God and others? Some other things in this teaching that can help you today is just if you're dealing with loneliness, because there's so many people that do, realize that the Lord is always near. He's always there and just draw close to Him, especially through His Word, through prayer, those things. It's a real relationship with God, as real as you and I are right here. Okay? He is there. Or maybe you need to go back to trusting Him and working on that relationship. And so you, the first thing I would say to do is work on being a whole person first. In other words, look in the mirror and work on being the person you want to be in a relationship with, okay? That's a big part of this, okay? 
I'm so fighting the whole giving you an 80s song with that, but I won't, okay? I'm going to fight it, okay? But, but you have to be a friend to have friends, okay? There's so many people that sit around and sulk and victimization and all that stuff, and they're like, I just don't have any friends. Well, to, to have friends, you got to be a friend, okay? Learn to deal deal with relationships in a biblical, healthy manner, the way God designed them to work. Be willing to take correction, okay? Get in a relationship with some people that that you can have accountability and willing to repent and grow in those relationships. I counsel with a lot of people, okay? And that's often the end of the relationship with them and the counseling is, is... is because most aren't, aren't willing when you say, well, the Bible says you shouldn't do that. And so how do I help you do that? Like, I love you. There's no condemnation coming from me. If there's guilt or whatever, that's, you know, I'm not going to remove that from you. That's between you and God, and you have to deal with that with him. But, but I'm just telling you, here's how I can help you to get, we got to help each other out of sin, okay? And usually when you approach somebody and say, hey, you know, this goes against Scripture. Can you, how do I help you through that? You know, as a pastor in counseling, that's usually where people go, well, who's he who judged me? You know, and you get all that, and they walk away, right? Everybody gets upset. And I'm not here to hurt you. I'm trying to help you, right? Most aren't real willing to accept how God has designed things to be in relationships. They want to keep doing their brokenness, okay? But that's the thing is to realize that every relationship is comprised of sinners So we have to give and receive grace. Just as we have received it from Christ, we got to give that to each other. Don't get all up in arms every time something doesn't go your way and you think it should. Don't be quick to criticize and complain or speak ill of someone. Give and receive grace. It's part of healthy relationships. Don't reject it when somebody blesses you with grace, right? We often want to reject it because we think, I don't need your grace. I'm not wrong right? And what we need to do is stop hiding as Adam and Eve did and pretending and repent of our sin continually. Like we said before, it's been a few weeks ago we talked about this. Yes, Christians have to ask for forgiveness regularly. It's not that because of the cross we don't have to ask for forgiveness. It's because of the cross that we know the answer will be yes when we do, right? So we are a people who have to ask for forgiveness, and when each other is is at that place where we're like, yes, I see what I did wrong, and we repent, we don't shoot our wounded, we do whatever we can to help people move forward and out of sin. Sometimes that means not enabling that sin, but it's with love and forgiveness and grace. And we will be judged by God based on what we did with our relationships first of all with Jesus and with God through him and then with each other. So we need to make sure we do those as healthy as we can. Okay? We are such a culture of being experienced rich at the expense of being relationship poor. We think we all have to have all these great experiences. I got to get my kids to Disney World. I got to you know, we don't take long walks with mom and dad, but mom and dad took us to Disney World. So we gave them 
Disney World at the expense, at the cost of never having that relationship with mom and dad we should have had. You see what I'm saying? And that's a simplified, boiled down version of that, is we don't spend time with each other and talk. Um, but, but we sure have all these experiences and think, man, I've got to do all this stuff. And then we wonder why relationships are more and more in jeopardy and hurting and people can't stay married and can't. It, it's just, it's a part of culture telling us experiences are where it's at, not relationships, okay? So God's dream for us in relationships, not a wish upon a star, it's those relationships that are most important, okay? And so we need to focus on that. And, and God will use those relationships to multiply his family. So the whole call this morning is to get into community and reach out to those in the community. Get into a group and see what that plays out like in this church, in this community, in neighborhoods, in communities. Maybe you'll find yourself all the way in Honduras one day in a small group trying to help them to grow and do the same thing. It's a God-sized dream, and it can happen through small group relationships. Okay? I see it. I hope you see it. Small groups meeting, looking through the scriptures, carrying each other in hard times, rejoicing together in good times and victories and blessings, seeing many come to know Jesus through multiplying mission-minded groups. We are a church of small groups to help people connect to biblical community as part of our overall mission to make disciples and reach as many as possible. So let's pray this morning that that might happen. Father, we just ask you, would you help us to see this happen? That people would connect in relationships, that people would connect with you and connect with each other. Help people to to see you clearly for who you are, to see what you have taught us in your word. Father, I, I know that God, I'm just asking you right now, because I know people see groups as, man, this is difficult. It has its unique problems, you know, with, with logistics, and, and it's, it takes work to, to facilitate and lead and do and host and all these things. And, but, God, it's not about what program is easiest. It's not about what can we do to make this easy on people. It's, God, what can we do? to be most like you have designed it to be because it's through those things that we, we know we grow when it's difficult. So, Father, help us to find joy in, in community. Help us to see the blessings and the rewards of that effort in groups because we know it's there. God, the relationships we see in this church, the, the ones that are that strong are because of groups, not because we sit here in rows but because we sit in a home together and eat a meal and talk about life. So, Father, would you just push people into that by your Holy Spirit? That's, that's what's going to do it. So we're asking for that, for people to see the vision, for people to step up and say, yes, my home is open to this. Yes, I will help lead a group. Yes, whatever you want, God, that's what I want to do. So, Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, that makes it possible for us to have a relationship with you and for us to relate to each other and have that relationship that's healthy with each other. 
we pray all this in Jesus' name.